0: What's going on, you guys? I'm Matt. I'm Gabe. And welcome back to the last episode of the Tentacle Ball Podcast for the year of 2021. And dude, what a year it's been. It
1: has been a year for music. its It's been some cool stuff.
0: There has been. I mean, there's been some really high highs and there's been some really low lows. And that's kind of what we're going to get into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to be going over all the releases that we've gone over this year. Uh, so normally this would be from January to uh, December being as we started as a podcast in March something it was like, like that. end of yeah. March yeah being that we started at the end of March uh we're gonna be going from the releases that we had just covered so uh and we do want to issue a disclaimer here so we are going to be going over each of these the and the just kind of brief thoughts on them and going over the rating that we gave them and then if the album really needs it we're gonna adjust our rating on it because mm-hmm. obviously we're not perfect people and we give ourselves only uh, so much time before we begin recording these episodes. And sometimes we not may not either fully appreciate an album Mm -hmm. to its fullest extent, or we may not, uh, we, we may give the album too much credit. Yeah. And so this is kind of like a way for us to adjust what we've said and and kind of correct and continue growing and moving on.
0: Yeah, no, Um, I think that's a good way to put it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, I say we just go ahead and get right on into it. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and start off the the day with a data remembers you're welcome, which released on March fifth two thousand twenty one. This is the first episode that we did and Oh man, I went back and listened to that one. That was a little rough. <laughs> that one was rough for me as well. It, up
0: until kind of preparing for this episode, I res- revisited this record zero times.
1: Same. <laughs> and there's
0: there's going to be a lot of that kind of reference by myself here uh, for this episode. There were just a lot of records I just never like went ba- just never went back to. Going back to this one is I ended up skipping a lot of the record just oh, yeah. because I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this wasn't good. The three songs that really were only the shining lights on it were Permanent, Last Chance to Dance, and Resentment. And I think it was just because they sounded like old a day to remember. So originally, I gave it a 2.5. This time, I gave it just a flat 2.
1: Yeah, my, my, so I'm, I'm with you in the same boat there with exception of Mind Reader because I still enjoy that song.
0: Oh, I fr- yeah, Mind Reader wasn't
1: too bad. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I had originally given it a three, and uh, it was adjusted to it too, just based off of mm-hmm. kind of just maturing our own scales and, and kind of determining what they were. Right. Uh, I'm assuming that with most of your scaling too, a lot of the records that you gave a half, you're you're adjusting that, your. Yeah, fence I, setting I, and- I'm pretty
0: much. I'm taking <laughs> off the halves, and I think it's just with certain records is I felt like the half was kind of necessary to give it the little bit of extra credit. But I also, when I, when I looked at it is I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll fully commit. I'll, I'll try not to, to mess with the game this time. I'm so proud of you. Oh, <laughs>
1: thanks. Watch it beginning of next year. You're going to hit me with a quarter and I'm just going to oh, come over the table. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Don't give me ideas. Oh man. Yeah. So, um, that, that's really all I've got on this There's one nothing. here. It was not a good offering. It was a, a very interesting start for us to uh, to begin off of. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, the the episode itself was like a. I mean as far as first podcast go, like it wasn't all that bad. Like No, as it actually
0: as... wasn't the worst that I actually revisited and actually listened to a majority of that
1: episode recently and we, we've definitely grown as podcasters now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There, there's definitely things that I kinda wanna reintroduce that we started out with. But mm-hmm. um yeah, the jokes at the beginning of the podcast are not something I intend on revisiting. It's... <laughs> It was so it's bad.
0: It's so, so they were real hit and miss, and I think there were a couple of them we tried a little more too miss hard than with. hit, really yeah. than anything.
1: Like this started off with an office quote that like had nothing to do with it. Yeah, it just it didn't happen. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, moving on, we uh, had Chevelle's "Narratives." That is nothing is real, and this is a simulation, uh, which released also on March 5th of 2021. Matt, did your uh, opinion on this record change it at all? Yes. Okay.
0: I actually revisited this one recently. Another situation, zero revisits up until preparation for this. And I actually found myself liking this a lot more than I remembered initially. It's As I was listening to it, I didn't feel dirty wh- wh- kind of listening to the record. I actually was kind of happy. Um, so originally I put it at a three out of eight. I put it up to a five. Okay. It was there was something about it that I was like I actually found kind of a joy in this record. How about yourself?
1: Um, so I actually had the opposite reaction. Okay. Uh, so I originally rated the album at a five, and I, I dropped it down in rating because I felt like what I had originally said in the original cast didn't quite match up with how I was really feeling about the record. Because mm-hmm. I, in that original podcast, you and I were beating on the record pretty hard. We did, um, and part of that was. I don't know, I guess shock value. I don't really want to call it shock value because it's not like we're shock jocks or anything like that. Yeah, but.
0: I think part of it was we – I almost wonder if part because of how much we hit a day to remember is that it, there was kind of that bitter taste in our mouth and that kind of just trickled over. I feel
1: like it's a combination of that and because we had prepared for the podcast about three weeks prior to mm-hmm. instead of the normal like – four to five days that we do yeah. now, we just had so much time to continuously hit it. So it, it adjusted for me from a five, I adjusted it down to a four just to kind of coincide with the rest of the the way that I began scaling things. Okay. Um, it's still a decent record. It's definitely like winner of the award for... This should have been a, a concept record. <laughs> <laughs> I get, yeah, I there's still songs that. that I'm jamming, that, that I continuously jam, but I never revisited the record outside of just coming back to it for this cast. Okay, uh,
0: that makes sense. Now, the next record is Architects for Those Who Wish to Exist. And what was the release date on that one? I didn't grab that uh,
1: one. That one was released on February 26, 2021. Okay. And, uh, so th- we had... That is also something to note that in those first few weeks, we were going back on older records because we hadn't really established how we were going to be uh, addressing new releases and mm. stuff like that. And so that kind of fleshes out as we get a little bit later on uh, after we get a few episodes in. But yeah, so we, we stepped back a little bit to hit up Architects. Um, yeah, this one adjusted for me as well. Uh, not... Really, anything bad about the record? It's, I had originally given it a six out of eight on the podcast. Okay. Um, I adjusted it to a five out of eight. Just to compensate for the maturity of the rating scale again, there's Mm -hmm. still definitely songs on the record that I really enjoy, but I feel like there's a solid probably about six of them that could have been just left off the record. Okay. Because it was like a 15 song album or something like that. It was a really dense release. And I feel like without so many songs on there, I feel like it probably would have earned that six and maybe even a seven. But just for the Mm -hmm. utter forgettableness, if that's even a word. Yeah just how forgettable some of those songs were. Like, I feel like it didn't quite earn the six that I had originally given.
0: That's that's fair. So there was a slight adjustment for me as well. Originally, I put it at a 4.5. I actually ticked it up to a five. Uh, upon the revisiting of this record, I was... Even despite my complaints with Sam Carter's voice and kind of my own personal gripes against it, I ended up actually finding... Really, sol- the instrumentation, and it was really solid. And I really had to kind of compliment that. But there was aspects of the songs that I didn't give credit to before. That upon the re-listens, I was like, "This is actually pretty good." Like it, it's a record that I I'm a little bit more willing to come back to, even though the vocals are a little bit n- not quite my cup of tea.
1: Yeah, like I found myself appreciating some of the songs that I didn't quite appreciate on that original mm-hmm. cast a lot more like meteors honestly became one of my favorite songs from the record, Okay, which it's definitely like their more arena rock song that's yeah. on there. But like, I don't know something about it. I just can't get enough of it at this point when in the original cast, I'm pretty sure I said like discourse is dead or, um, uh, An Ordinary Extinction were like my favorites or something along right. those lines in there.
0: And honestly, I be- I've <laughs> believe in the original episode, I had kind of talked down on Dead Butterflies. And that, upon listening to that again, I was like, this is actually pretty spicy. Like, yeah. So, you know, again, just kind of going back and just finding new appreciation and just especially having... Spent so much time away from it, I think definitely helped, and I think that you're gonna see a lot of
1: that here with with these records. In my for me, for sure. Uh, then from there, we move on to Love and Death's Perfectly Preserved, which was released on February 12th of 2021. Uh, Matt, I'll let you kick, kick kick this one off. This one is. It's a banger.
0: I, <laughs> I love this record. I've returned to this I don't know how many times, and I lo- I love it every single time. I found appreciation in the lesser favorite songs and the songs that I really held as like favorites for this record continue to stay so and have kind of just increased my love for. Uh, originally put it at a seven out of eight. I put it as an eight out of eight this time.
1: Yeah, so I had this one as a seven out of eight. It stays a seven out of eight for me. Mm-hmm. Um, It's still a really solid record through and through. It still is an extreme offering of maturity from the band's original album. It just didn't hit me the same way that it hit you, and I'm glad that it hit you that way. Yeah. Yeah but still like it was a great record it was a great offering from this year no I've, it really 100 percent was and then uh speaking of great offerings from this year we have era's self-titled release that was released <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the Matt, matt's talked about this one multiple times on the cast since we did the episode but um yeah this one was released on march 19th of 2021 um i had originally put this at a seven i'm keeping it at a seven it's still a solid record it's Again, kind of the same architects thing, where it's just a really dense release. Yeah, it also had I think fifteen tracks. It's
0: I don't think it was that many. Um, I think the one of the the only issue I think I could would say about the record is if it doesn't quite hit the fifteen track um, like number is each of the songs are so densely packed with stuff whether it be guitar playing or vocals or breakdown solos whatever it's just
1: each song so densely packed that that that's kind of what is yeah and that might be it it is a 12 record or okay. 12 it's um the the runtime is what it is that did that, it for uh, me so it's okay. a 54 minute runtime on that album. That that's probably gonna be it That so that makes
0: sense so this one originally was a seven. It's an eight for me. I've come back to this. I don't know how many times. I just can't get enough of it. Jesse's vocals and his guitar playing are mm, <laughs> by, mm, just top
1: tier. Um, again, it's, it's an eight out of eight for me for this year. For sure. Uh, then coming on to the, uh, the next episode that we had done was Evanescence, The Bitter Truth, that was released on March 26th of 2021. I'm going to stop saying of 2021. They're all released in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> just, just,
0: uh, I feel like by you saying of 2021, it's like you're just really trying to make sure everybody knows yeah. the exact date it came out. I, I, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> like So I'm um, just,
1: yes, acknowledge that all of these are recorded all and released these... in 2021. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went back and listened to this record for this podcast man i I don't like this record
0: (laughs) so i i think i came back to it a couple different times between when we did the episode and kind of like preparing for this episode and it was like it was fine but upon my most recent revisit (sighs) so originally i put it at 6.5 yeah you rated it high I dropped it, and dude, even uh, now that I think about it, is I I feel like my notes I put it still a little bit high. <laughs> I've got it at a five, but there's there's a good chance that I'd I'd actually probably drop it. It's it's nice to hear Amy Lee singing as well as she does. her Her voice is just outstanding, and the musicianship is fine. I just feel like there's there's something
1: lacking it and was just a boring release mm-hmm. and yeah and I, I originally had put this one out of four uh in that cast uh and my main reason is because i didn't think that it was worse than the a day to remember record mm-hmm. since i dropped the a day to remember record down i can drop this one down to a three <laughs> <laughs> honestly i feel like even though i i put down a five
0: i feel like a four might be a safer bet just kind of it's It's middle of the road. It's fine to listen to just kind of in the background, but it's not something that I'm going to very actively go out and recommend to people. And it's also not like, again, I'm not just going to actively search for it. So I I think a
1: four is probably the safe bet here on this one. Yeah. Um, Then from there, we uh, move on to The Pretty Reckless's Death by Rock and Roll. Uh, that was released on February 12th, so we dipped way back Yeah, uh, for this record, and um, I liked the release, but I found myself really never touching it.
0: I, I liked the release. I returned to it a few times. I really didn't change my opinion. It was originally a four out of eight, and it stays that way. It was fine. It's nice to listen to, and sometimes it just scratches an itch that it's just kind of what I'm in the mood for, and... It was fine. It's it's a good direction for the band to start moving into, and I think we, we're definitely going to see that a lot more from them in the future.
1: For sure. I, I originally had rated it as a 6 out of 8. Um, I adjusted it down to a 4 as well, mm-hmm. um, just because there were the, the good songs that were on there, but I felt like it was only about half the album was decent. Yeah. The other half really just wasn't there for me, and... I don't know, Maybe I feel like it was probably just because it was on the back of Evanescence and being able to hear another strong female lead and hear more of the direction that I wanted want it to go, mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably why I started rating it a little bit higher. And that's that something that be. I try and take into consideration as I was going through these adjustments and ratings and such. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, overall, it's not a bad release. It just never really kept my attention after we did the podcast for yeah. it. And, and that's a, a pretty big distinguisher for a lot of these rec- records. Like the ones that were rated higher were the ones that kept my attention after we had beat it to death with our own minds. Because like, mm-hmm. we go into these these recordings and we're listening to these records anywhere between five and ten times, roughly. Yeah, some, sometimes even more yeah, than and that. Some, exactly, sometimes even more, especially if it's a really good record or a really short one. Yeah. And... If it can keep my attention beyond that, then like that, it earned a high, uh, it, a high it rating, a high praise. Whereas this one here, it just I never came back to it. It was good. It was middle of the road. It just I don't feel like deserved the six that I originally gave it.
0: No, I I completely get that for sure. I'm not. I'm not ready for <laughs> this. This next one,
1: though. I mean, there there really isn't much to talk about this one here. The Escape the Fate Chemical Warfare release that was released on April 16th. We, uh, I gave it a one out of eight. It's staying a one out of eight. It is still one of, if not the worst releases that came out of this year. Right.
0: Yeah. I originally gave it a 1.5. There was because Matt's I... a fence sitter. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to find enough highlights in it and it would but it was still not good enough that it was going to sit under a date to remember. If I could give this a zero rating, I 100% would coming back to it for, to prepare for this. I I wanted to cry. I wanted to just jump off my balcony. It was it was bad. I I I think the only redeeming quality was Craig sounded good in the chorus of the title track, and that was it. I think that was was the only redeeming quality.
1: It was when I went back and listened to this one in preparation for this one, I every time a new song came on, I'm just like, I forgot how much I hated this song. <laughs>
0: Dude, I forgot. I See,
1: I hate this one, and I forgot that it existed, because I had tried to put out of my mind. Song number songs. three started,
0: and remember when I had originally said that I had to turn it off song three? Yep. Song three hit this time, and I just same. gave. <laughs> the, the sorrow that took over me was immeasurable. Same.
1: Literally same on on track three. I'm like, Oh, no. Just <laughs> just the one-man tear. Yep. <laughs> it was a Sad Shaquille O'Neal meme for me. <laughs> <laughs> In a redeeming quality, though, uh, after the Escape the Fate record, we had covered the Royal Blood uh, Typhoons record that released on April 30th. Why don't you kick this one off,
0: Matt? I'm mad I never returned to this over the year. This... When when I actually I actually listened to this one today um, in preparation for this episode, I forgot how hype this record was. Mm -hmm. It's just these two gentlemen came in and killed it. The honestly the sobriety of the vocalist and I can't remember his name, so I apologize. But what he was able to do on this record was absolutely phenomenal. I kept it at the seven out of eight that I originally put on it. There were a couple of the songs that still didn't quite grab my attention, but the cool thing about even those lower songs, and I I can't even say like lulling points of the record, but just the, the lower peaks of it, you could still have them on in the background and it still be hype music.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and just to uh, clarify, the uh, lead singer is Mike Kerr. That's right. Yeah. So I originally gave this one a seven out of eight. Uh, I adjusted it to an eight out of eight. Really? Yeah. The, this one here, it just it, it was adjusted due to the impact of the album over the year for me. Like, there's not a song that I really skip on this record. Okay. And every time I come back to it, like I'm just I'm enjoying the record. That's so fair. much. It, it is a very fun release. Uh, it's easily in, in contender for album of the year for me, and it just it, it was a lot of fun. Okay. No, I, I can dig that. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we have Darko with their self-titled release, Darko. And that released on May 7th. What a contrast from the last release. Yeah, oh this, this one was... <laughs> oh, my we God. We had this poppy disco kind of We're groove like, rock hey. kind of stuff. And then Darko comes in and just obliterates eardrums. Um, yeah, this one here was sitting at a four out of eight for me. Uh on, on original release, it just didn't really capture a lot of my attention, mm-hmm. and going back to it, I feel like I was able to appreciate it a little bit more, especially with some of the other stuff that we've listened to yeah. since then. Um, it still is staying at a four out of eight for me, just because there's not really anything from the album that makes me want to go back to it that I don't already get from other releases and other past songs That's that fair. didn't release this year, but it's still a good record. Uh, it just It's kind of the... Uh, the uh, pretty reckless syndrome there, where yeah, it's, it's a good record. It just didn't really keep my attention. That's fair. So uh, there was a slight
0: adjustment for me. Originally, I put it at a four point five. I put it at a five this time. That's fair. Part of the part of the reason is recently re-listening to it. I just needed kind of a kind of a kick in the pants uh, musically to listen to. And if you're looking for just dummy mm. thick, just heavy material this is a really good one to listen to part of the reason I put it to a five is it's one of those records that I'd recommend to people just to experience to just be able to hear the the capability of what the human voice can do and what the kind of deathcore core can be. Yeah. And I
1: think that's really kind of the, <clears throat> the big draw to it is, I mean, it, it is just Tom Barber and, um, the other guy. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> I completely forget his name. He, he was the drummer for Emir. I don't think he is anymore. Josh, I think he just, it was Josh something. That sounds correct. Yeah. Look it up while I'm talking yeah. about this. <laughs> We're so prepared people, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So like Tom's vocals, throughout the record are just so diverse. He, he exhibits so many different screaming styles, so many different, um, just phrasing and vocal capabilities and stuff like that. I feel like it's definitely something to listen to, to just hear those kind of things. Cause like, I feel like that's, realistically, like what we're trying to do with the podcast and I feel like what people want to do mm-hmm. is they want to be able to experience the new things. And that's why Will Ramos and uh, and Alex Terrible and these kind of guys are like, they're sought after simply for the fact that they're doing something that people haven't done before. Yeah. And I feel like this is a good exhibition of that and what the human voice is capable of doing. And I feel like that's one of the reasons that somebody would want to go to the darker record to begin with is just to see that exhibition. Yeah just as an album as a whole. It just didn't particularly capture my attention. That's fair. So
0: uh, Josh Miller is the okay. name, um, and he is all the instrumentals, uh, and then Tom Barber did the vocals. It's I, I always love hearing Tom Barber and the the stupid noises that come out of his face. So that again, that's another reason. It's, it's a little bit biased, but I always
1: enjoy hearing that. For sure. Moving on here, we do have uh, the episode where we did the Devil Wears Prada zombie extravaganza. Uh, where we uh, we did review of both Zombie EPs and then kind of the Space EP. Um, mm-hmm. Space EP is still garbage. We're not really talking about that one today. <laughs> but uh, specifically with Z1 and Z2. Matt, what did you uh, rate those at?
0: So with Z1 <laughs> is I put it at a 7.5 out of 8. Um, really, part of the reason why I put it... It didn't get put at an 8 is I wish that there was more of it. I d- wish that it was more than just the five songs. And I love that era of the devil Rose especially like with roots above branches below to dead throne is that's probably my absolute favorite era in their sound. Uh, I, if I had to take off the halves is I'd probably go eight out of eight. It's one of my all time favorite records in
1: the podcast. You said that it's, in your top 10 and you only gave it a 7.5 so so and, and again that it's because it's the ep's only five songs i just
0: wish i would have been able to get more out of it and i think that's the only reason i gave it the the 0. 0.5 off but it's it's absolutely up in my top 10 favorite records of all time uh z2 is a release that i've revisited quite a bit and it's not an amazing record. Honestly, the reason I've revisited it so much is I have this CD in my car. And just as I'm driving, if I don't want to, if I'm a, too lazy to just connect my phone to my speaker and turn on something else, is I'll just turn on the Devil Prado record and just kind of jam the EP. It's fine. It's a solid sequel to the original, but it's just not my favorite release by the band. It originally got a five out of eight for me, and it's going to stay at a five out of eight.
1: Yeah, this one, it it got a 6 out of 8. Or, sorry, I should probably recap both of them. Uh, Yeah, so Z1 was an 8 out of 8 for me because it earned the 8 out of 8. Regardless, if I didn't get more, (laughs) the five songs that were presented to me were worthy of an 8 of 8. Fair, (laughs) fair. Uh, Z2 got a 6 out of 8 for me. It's going to stay there as well. It's still a really solid release. I don't feel like I was just being spoon-fed nostalgia. Mm -hmm. I feel like this was a unique in its own way independent release. Yep. It coincided with the original, but still was unique enough that it never felt like it was relying on the original. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't feel like I had to go and listen to Z1 before listening to Z2. Z2 stands on its own all by itself. It does, yeah. And it really just came down to me preferring the like that era of Devil Wars Prada like you had said. Um, It came down to me appreciating that era more than their existing content which is still good, just less of my favorite. That's fair. Uh, after the Devil Wears Prada, we uh, also had another rehash of old material with the August Burns Red Leveler 10th Anniversary Edition that was released on May 21st.
0: This is this is just another record that I should have come back to, and I'm mad that I didn't. <laughs> um, originally, I put it at a 6 out of 8. It's staying at the 6 out of 8. Coming back to it in preparation for this episode, I was just again mad at myself that i ne- I didn't come back to this record not once other than for this and again i'm just mad that i didn't yeah
1: uh, what did you say you rated it it's a six okay so and it's, it's staying at the six right now yeah um this one here was at a seven for me just because of it had a lot more of that nostalgia factor because i think in that episode we had said that i had a lot more of an august burns red background than you yeah have. you definitely did yeah sure. it, and so it A lot of it was that nostalgia factor for me and the new things that they were able to do with the newer record, including the features and stuff like that. The only thing that would have made it an 8 out of 8, which it can't really be done retroactively at this point, was just to include even more features than they already had. But otherwise, yeah, it was still a solid release. Um, It's a good way to do a 10th anniversary. It was a great record. Yeah. No, I, I think it was done extremely well. Yeah. The
0: following release is Rise Against and their Nowhere Generation record. And
1: this one was released on June 4th. Yeah, this... Uh, it's Rise Against. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, like like
0: it, It's it, a four out of eight, and it stays there. It's, it's one of those things where the songs are fine. It's not something I'm going to actively seek out. I won't change it if the songs come on, but
1: again, it's just, it's there. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it too. Like, it, it like you said, it's a four out of eight for me mm-hmm. um, as well. It's staying there. It was just a rehash of the exact same thing they've done in the last six albums or whatever it yeah. is. Like they, they, they have their formula. They do it well, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong about the record itself, other than the fact that I have heard this record already multiple times from them. Yeah. And, I mean, there was, I remember some of the songs that were on this record that were, that sounded like they were starting out the exact same as record, uh, as, <laughs> as uh, songs from, like, Appeal to Reason and Endgame and stuff like that. Right. I'm just like, I've already heard this before. Like, there, there's, surely there has to be other riffs that you can come up with that aren't going to sound so similar that they could have been off of that record. Right. Yeah, and... and- I actually listened to the
0: episode for this one a little bit, and I made the comment, it's like, dude, just throw in a breakdown or something. (laughs) But it's like, just give us something that changes it up enough, even if it's not like a a breakdown like we're familiar with in Metalcore and Deathcore, but just kind of the whole song kind of just breaks down for a second, and you just kind of almost isolate certain things. I feel like that would help kind of break it up. Mm -hmm. It's just... I feel like it, it, it was missing the evolution that you and I have talked about pretty extensively here on the podcast. And I think that's another reason why it just ne- doesn't change from the
1: four. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from there, we went into the Wrist Meat Razor uh, record, Replica of a Strange Love. That was released on June 11th. I mean, with this one, Matt
0: it's unappealing it's a <laughs> it's an unappealing wall of noise that i i plan to indefinitely avoid i i can't think of a reason that i would want to go back unless i wanted to go into this like really late emo phase where i just listen to old like metalcore and like that kind of style this g- going back into this i wanted This was another release I just wanted to cry listening to. Uh, I put it at a 2 originally. Like, I I give credit to the musicianship. Uh, I put down here on my notes that it's a 2 out of 8, but to just be with as almost unbearable this is, as I think I'm taking it down to a 1. It's just, no thanks. So I had the
1: opposite reaction. Uh, (laughs) I had originally put it at a 3. I adjusted it to a 5. Really? I... Started appreciating this record a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the there was a lot of it was a nostalgia factor, and then just kind of getting into a few more of those kind of bands. Um, See you Space Cowboy was uh, another big one. Oh, yeah, um, that kind of is in that same uh emo core kind of uh, revival mm-hmm. group. So I, I started appreciating this one a lot more, um, and that's why I adjusted it. That's fair to each you, their you're, own. you're not wrong, it is quite the wall of chaos and mm-hmm. sound. I just got to appreciate it a lot more <laughs> uh, yeah no, and I, I can definitely I can definitely tell about that uh next up we have Tooth's below record that was released on june twenty fifth hot. Fire. Yeah, the, this one here. Like I had originally put it at a seven. I I adjusted it to an eight. The um originally on the podcast I said that I was iffy about some of the songs. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer iffy on those songs. Like the the record front to back is just going to be straight bangers. Yeah.
0: No. And honestly, it started for a six for me. It's an eight for me now. It's exactly the same thing. Is the the songs that I didn't find the appreciation in before? I'm going back to it. I've come back to this. Uh, large number of times Mm
1: -hmm. just big spice yeah it's become a newer version of disgusting for me like i i loved that record to death when that record originally came out and i feel the same appreciation for the the newest release from them Mm -hmm. like i did with disgusting
0: and it's the other thing and i know we kind of talked about that pretty extensively with this episode but with the release of disgusting we, you and I both were very much big fans of it, and being able to hear Beartooth kind of return to the kind of 2014 sound, but also showing the progression and a little bit of the rock stuff that they had the last couple releases and bringing that in, I think it was just the perfect blend.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from there, we went into the Light the Torch record, uh, You Will Be the Death of Me, that also released on June 25th. Um, yeah, revisiting this one, i still enjoyed it it was still great to hear howard yeah um yeah it it was a six out of eight for me on the original cast it stays a six out of eight for me i think um i'm going to be in a similar
0: boat i gave it originally a six out of eight here in the notes i put a seven out of eight just as i've listened back to it is hearing howard and just how how much he was able to flourish over the instrumentals on this band was absolutely fantastic um it's extremely strong musically. I think the six out of eight will stay. I think there were just enough of the songs that didn't have the umph behind it that keeps it kind of from from moving up from that six.
1: Yeah, going back to it, one of the things that I, I kind of just began to dislike more and more was the cover that was released on it. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Was it Sign Your Name or something like that? Yeah. Like, it, by and large, the... Way that they had done the cover in the light the torch style as opposed to whoever the other guy was that sent yeah. The original. I can't remember
0: the name offhand, either. but um,
1: like it, it was very drastically different. But I didn't like the original to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, when we had listened to it afterwards. Um, so it was a good cover by good cover standards. I just don't like the original song and yeah. don't really like the cover as a result of that just because of the musical. I guess choices that were made no, nothing to specifically say about the band. Just, I, I don't really like the song itself. Yeah. And we could honestly get into a, a huge
0: conversation about covers. Cause we've seen quite a few different ones throughout the re- different releases we've had over the year. Uh, but before we fall down that tangent, let's get into born of Osiris and their release angel or alien, which was released on July
1: 2nd of this year. Yeah. Um, this was a four out of eight. It stays a four out of eight. It just was a record that was boring.
0: Yeah. It, originally, it was a three for me. It stays a three. Uh, upon my return to this record for this episode, it it quickly reminded me wh- why I stayed away. And it, it really had a lot of potential. It just failed at execution.
1: It just is. I, I feel it like kind of just falls victim to the same thing. Like it's just a wall of sound. Yeah. It never really differentiates. Like if you go in wanting to hear Born of Osiris, you're going to hear Born of oh, Osiris. Yeah. You're going to hear some pretty cool solos. You're going to hear some chuggy syncopated riffs mm-hmm. and your generic flatline deathcore vocals. Yeah. Like they don't really, it, 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 I feel like it's kind of a rise against thing. They don't differentiate from their formula. Nope. They had they have what it is and it works for them. Good for them. Yeah. It just wasn't for me.
0: The following release is At the Gates with
1: The Nightmare of
0: Being, which was released on July 2nd.
1: I continued to appreciate this album more and more and more. Okay. I I originally put this album at a 6. I adjusted it to a 7 just because I I really did continue to appreciate it. Um, I don't feel like it hits quite an 8 for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if it were like based off a subject matter alone, this one absolutely would would hit eight. Yeah. Um, there are some things in there that just kind of don't really strike the right note with me. Um, I'm sick of hearing saxophones and metal. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I, and I, we, I talked about this at relative length in uh, the Rivers of Nile episode way back when, when I had uh, discussed it with Dipper mm-hmm. from uh, It's All Grizzly. But yeah, it just... Kind of the same boat here. Like, I don't really like that aspect of it. There's a lot of really neat things in this record, a lot of really cool riffs, and it really kind of re-sparked my love for death metal, uh, and, and or mellow death metal in the old school sense. Yeah. It just didn't quite hit an A, but I still really enjoyed this record. Okay. So, I'm sad to say this. I'll fight you right here. I think I told you I was going to fight you in that episode, too. <laughs> but this is,
0: this is my truth, and I'm going to stand by it. Upon returning to this record, I found it unappealing. And I, again, this hurts me to say it's very much a record that I really need more time to kind of kind of try and get my hands on. I feel like even if it's just two more listens through front to back of the record just to kind of try and just get, get a grab on what it is, it's just unfortunately right now it it kind of feels like a lost cause because upon my return to it is I found less appreciation in the record. It started at a three. I hate to do it, but I'm bumping it to a two. Next
1: we did. (laughs) Funnily enough, I think that's our most dichotomizing, uh, Relation between like th- our, our honestly, ratings on I them. I think
0: so. Uh, the next release we did have, though, is Victims with Volume Four, numb the ache with the release date of July eight. Yeah. I've got some praise for this one, but I want to let you take this one over.
1: Yeah, so I, I do as well. Um, I originally put this album at a four out of eight. I adjusted it to a five um, just because I began to further explore band's previous material, mm-hmm. and I, I've just grown to appreciate them a bit more. I feel like if I spent even more time that appreciation would grow, um, I feel like this album probably would top out at a six for me. Okay. But I feel like overall, like it's still a really good record. Um, The elements that they incorporated into it, I began to enjoy and appreciate a lot mm-hmm. more. Yeah, that, that's really what I've got about it.
0: Okay. So originally I put it at a five, and I've actually bumped it up to a six. I returned to this one. Uh, it was actually the same day that I revisited the Darko record, because, mm-hmm. again, I just needed kind of a kick in the pants. And I was extremely shook at how much I realized <laughs> I re- like this mm-hmm. record.
1: Yeah, and that was kind of my as well because I remember when we originally went over it like I just for something something about it didn't I didn't like yeah and I, I don't, I don't think remember what we, it
0: was you because. and I could kind of we could kind of feel it like we we had a lot of praise for it but there was also that something that was just like it feels like something's missing um I went back to it it's it's something I really would go for if I just need something heavy to listen to And I really like the slower portions where they brought in the kind of poppy R&B elements, especially with the song like Intoxication. I I feel like they did a really good job at blending the two styles, and it felt like it was cohesive and not just like a record that we'll talk about later here in this episode, where it just felt like it was one song and then Hardline, here's another song, but it's all the same song. Mm -hmm. Um it's it's a spicy one. I really yeah. enjoyed this one. The following release is Times of Grace with their Songs of Loss and Separation, which was released on July 16th of 2021.
1: This is still one of my favorite releases to this year. Okay. I loved this record. I put it at an 8 of 8 in the podcast. It's staying at an 8 of 8 out of 8 uh front to back. Like this was just it was the second offering of their original album, which came out in 2011, I think. Yeah, it was like 2010, 2011. Yeah, and it, it was it was 10 years apart. I, I never expected that I was actually going to get this record. Mm-hmm. And when I got it, it was everything I didn't know that I needed, because I was expecting more of the first at record, whereas this one here was a lot more of an emotional approach. Mm-hmm. And I just love this record. From, oh, be- wow. from beginning to end, I don't skip anything. It is just, it, it is such a beautiful representation of what Emotional metalcore can be,
0: yeah. And I felt a lot of the the passion and emotion in this song, but there was something missing that just kept it from clicking with me. I, w- I always enjoy hearing Adam and Jesse working together, but for whatever reason, this one just doesn't hook me. It's something I'll probably come back to just to kind of just to give it another go. Uh, but I gave it a five originally and it's going to stay at the five for me to be completely
1: honest. We're all wrong at some points. (laughs) Uh, Next up we have Slaughters prevails cost which released on August 13th of this year. Yeah. um, This one was a four out of eight for me. It's going to stay a four out of eight. Like it's got cool parts to it, Mm -hmm. but it just feels really new metal influence, which is not something I really anticipated. Yeah. At first, especially with their original albums. Um, and then the, the lyrics were utter cringe. The, I, yeah. I remember hearing that part about it too, and it just it was it was a rough go. I I still enjoy certain songs off of it. There's still something that I keep on my regular circulation playlist, but yeah. This one it started off as a five. Um I dropped it to a four
0: just uh as I kinda listened back to it. As much as I really like the death core but with that like subnot influence brought in, I really dig how they were able to do that. It's just there were definitely elements of it where it felt like was a little bit almost too much in a way. It and felt try it, hard. It, it, in it a lot did feel feel really try hard mm-hmm. and Alex's vocal delivery was both really good and not so good in songs so it's i think a four out of eight it's just it's kind of a one of those records where you almost want to recommend it to somebody just to be like hey here's a kind of cool deathcore release if you're into that kind of thing go check it out if you want
1: yeah exactly like it, it doesn't feel like it really offers up anything no, n- nothing too too new. Yeah, it, it's like, hey, check out Demolisher. That was 2020's big, weird vocal thing before yep. the, the next thing we're going to talk about here, which uh, is uh, and, and, uh, Return to Nothingness by Lorna Shore. Which was
0: released on the thirteenth uh, of August as well, and we actually ended up doing our review of this EP on the same episode as the Slaughter to Prevail review.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one here, like we both rated it at a six. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on podcast I said six or a seven. I'm keeping it at a six. Like it's still a good release. Uh, to the Hellfire is still the the standout part of it, and it was our first offering of seeing uh, Lorna Shore with Will Ramos instead mm-hmm. of CJ, and I don't feel like they've lost anything by losing CJ. No. It's the same thing with Sign of the Swarm. Like, Sign of the Swarm's new stuff is phenomenal. And CJ who? Yeah, seriously.
0: (laughs) No, and and honestly, I'm keeping mine at a six as well, is I kind of forgot about this EP for a while just because of kind of the chaos of this year, but not just with music, but just kind of life. Um, Coming back to, to the Hellfire, I forgot how much this song was absolutely monumental for this year but not just really for music in general like heavy music in general but even in deathcore itself Mm -hmm. there was a lot of really good that that song brought and i kind of forgot how much i really enjoyed the song front to back we also get to see all these different elements throughout the release. Uh, we get to see a lot of the black metal kind of thrown in with that death core. And Will Ramos coming in with these three songs. He absolutely kills it. I'm excited to see what they've got in the
1: future. Absolutely. Uh, from there, things that I'm not excited to see in the future. <laughs> it's uh, Between the Buried and Me's Colors 2, the uh, sequel to their Colors 1 album.
0: Yep. Uh, so this one was released on August 20th. And... I hated this a lot less in my revisit. That's good. I did it lose me. Yes, but I found an appreciation in the chaos and it's really weird how I kind of picture it in my head and I'll kind of, I'll, I'll very quickly try to explain it without going in, trying to fully explain it. It makes sense in my head, but it feels kind of like a big musical production all, but in a single song package. If you kind of look at kind of the like the different tempo changes and what everything does, I, that's that's kind of the vision that comes to my head. Um, it's it's going to still take some time for me to really appreciate everything about the record, but I'm definitely where I'm at right now. Uh, where I originally put a one out of eight, I'm putting it at a two. It's there's now sort I'm starting to now see things in the record that. I'm finding the appreciation for, I, it makes me actually want to come back to it. Even if it's only like a once in a blue moon kind of thing and just trying to kind of get a grip on everything.
1: Fair enough. Um, yeah. I originally put this at a two. It's staying at a two. I didn't get a chance to come back to this record, but I do remember it fairly well. Mm-hmm. I just remember it not being really something that I wanted to bother with. That's fair.
0: Next up, we've got Ginger. And their Wallflowers record released on August 27th. And bro, this goes hard. This goes hard. I'm honestly mad. I didn't come back to this one either. It's, this is one of those records where I actually want to sit down and create a playlist so I can include this record to try and get it more in the rotation of me listening to more frequently, as opposed to just day seeker and era and Bear tooth <laughs> and Metallica.
1: Yeah. Uh I originally had this one at a six. I adjusted it down to a five okay. just due to the lack of interest I had. Like the good still outweighs the bad on the record. It just isn't something that I like want to come back to. That's fair. I feel like it it's kind of the, the same issue that I had with between the Buried and me that like I'm just not really a prog fan and there was mm-hmm. a lot of prog in there, there was there was. Prague influenced is fine by me. I think it's a cool showcase of musicianship, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of elements of progressive music that I really don't like. And I feel like it's just because a lot of times it feels like it's showing off to show off, mm-hmm. which is fine. There's a crowd for that. There's people who want to hear that. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. And, and then I feel like that's kind of where I sit with it. Um, This one here, it wasn't all prog, but it was heavily influenced. And that's, yeah. I feel like, why I had to downgrade it a bit. That's fair. So in the original podcast, I gave it
0: a 7 this one, this one's actually kind of tough yeah. at least for rating because I, I I feel feel bad because looking at my notes like I've got I've got it all planned out and like now that we're here and like thinking about it I'm like <laughs> I feel like it's not right so I'm probably gonna still leave it at a seven but it's kind of a, a seven with an asterisk. It's I think it's going to, you know, a couple more times just listening through just to really solidify it. Uh, but it is I'm kind of feeling like a tentative like six, seven range mm-hmm. is kind of where where it's probably going to end up sitting. Did you just six point five me without six point five ing me? yes <laughs> next up is phineas and the fire itself with the release date of august twenty seventh.
1: yeah this one here it is no secret if you listen to the podcast we loved the crap out of this record we, we praise this thing just it absolutely it was an eight out of eight for both of us right yeah yeah like it, it obviously it's staying it there it was it was a phenomenal record from front to back um how yeah. often do you come back to it pretty regularly
0: i have returned to it a few times but it just was not enough like yeah. this is, this is a record i fully plan to come back to and just regularly jam it this was one phenomenal. that i didn't
1: listen to in preparation for this podcast because it's already, it's still a part of my regular rotation oh, of yeah. music that i listen to yeah and i i, I listened to this one
0: recently <laughs> enough and i know that the song's just hit like a truck. I did I really didn't need to listen to that one at all. Um again, it stays at an 8 out of 8. Of course. Now, what I'm really interested to hear thoughts of on this one is Carnifex and their Graveside Confessions record, which was released on September 3rd.
1: Yeah, so this one here, uh, I'm I'm also kind of torn on. Mm-hmm. Um I originally gave it a 4 out of 8. In my notes here, I have it left as a four of eight because when I was re-listening to it, I remembered enjoying it a bit more than I had when we originally did the podcast. Mm -hmm. But I also fell victim to the same issue that I had in the original one where it just is kind of that listener's fatigue again. And it just, the first half of the album really started to get me going. And then it just never really felt like it went anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I remember lyrically on the album, I didn't revisit the lyrics for it. Uh, but I remember originally lyrically the in the album were
0: not great. Yeah,
1: it, it was just the it's the like deathcore stereotype darkness,
0: darkness is me, it, it, sad exactly. boy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so like the record itself is a decent record. I just feel like there's not really a lot of variation into it. It had some cool elements to it. I just it, it's not something that really grabs my attention. There there's some songs that I feel like I sh- I, I want to go back and listen to and add them to my regular rotation. Mm-hmm. I just don't know mm-hmm. that the rest of the album warrants any upgrade in the scaling uh, okay. for it. What about like downgrading? It definitely doesn't deserve lower than a four. Okay. Because um, it, it's still nothing was particularly bad about the record to my mm-hmm. recollection. Just nothing great. Yeah. So this one originally I
0: put as a four out of eight as well. And it's unfortunately an uninteresting deathcore record when compared to the others that came out this year. And it really bums me out considering how i've been a bit of a fan of carnifex for some time mm-hmm. uh, or at least do bits of their material i have it as an updated score of a four out of eight just kind of leaving leaving as it is uh, but I, I feel like the four doesn't feel right here um, i'm gonna leave it just as is
1: but i are you there, asterisking me again <laughs> i i
0: it, You're it's, at an a, it's a, a risk of it, getting punched here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is just one I, I don't really plan to come back to, and I, it's, I'm probably
1: just going to put a four on it. Just call it a day. That's fair. Uh, now we're going to take a take a little bit of a step back here, and we're going to go into what was the uh, greatest metal band of the '80s, Iron Maiden, and their release Senjutsu.
0: So this record was released on September 3rd of uh, 2021. And here we find out how much Matt can get Gabe fired up. And he's getting them fired yeah. up today. Oh, man.
1: It was. You... Uh, we're listening to that one now. <laughs> I don't know if I was having a bad day or something. I was ready to fight you. You
0: were ready to go. <laughs> like, there was there was a lot of hostility that episode. Um
1: Coming back to this record... Also, I want to throw out a disclaimer here. Matt and I are very good friends. We have never physically <laughs> fought. <laughs> I just feel like that needs to be said yeah. because there was a lot of hostility there was, in that record. There was.
0: And honestly, there's. I feel like that's what really makes it kind of funny you and I doing mm-hmm. this podcast is because you and I are both extremely opinionated with our kind of musical tastes...
1: Is that was really made present here with the Iron Maiden record? And, and speaking of opinions, and I'm gonna throw this off track one more time. Um, <laughs> the original episode that we did with the data, remember, set like it, it, it right out the gate, set the fact that I think that uh, Dennis, what's his name from asking Oh Alexandria, Dennis from Yeah, yeah, was the best asking Alexandria. Like I started ah, that ah, off ah, on ah, like ah, week ah. one. <laughs> it's. There, there's there's a lot of lot of that just kind of throughout the
0: podcast. I'm just gonna really dig into this. Coming back to this record, it was worse than I originally remember. I unintentionally was kind of re-listening to elements, kind of deeper into the songs, just to kind of pick stuff apart. I. Felt like there was just no passion in the songs. It felt everything just felt uninspired. It felt really weak, and especially as somebody whose Iron Maiden ex, uh, exposure is a lot less, a lot less than Gabe's, being th- my first full record that I listened to by the band, it is a really, really bad offering. So. Iron Maiden fans, I'm sorry. I just can't get behind this one. Maybe the next one. Originally, I put it at 3.5. Dropped it to a 2. <sighs>
1: <laughs> I remember why it was hostile. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I had this one at a 5 out of 8. It's going to stay at a 5 out of 8. Um, it. I'm pretty sure I brought this up in the original podcast, but if I didn't, like my... It epitomized album by iron maiden is fear of the dark that mm-hmm. is by far my favorite album they've ever done it'll continue to be my favorite album they've ever done and i unless they surprise me with another record that somehow beats that i don't think it'll ever change yeah um i, I love that record to death it's in my realm of top eight records of all time mm-hmm. or top 10 whatever we want to call it <laughs> we'll figure it yeah out. It, 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 later on down the road but um this one doesn't meet that. It has elements of that that I appreciated. I feel like you're wrong, and let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll just move on. <laughs> the The next record we've got
0: is Aborted and their Maniacult, which released <laughs> September 10th.
1: So I, I remember doing this record. It was in the middle of the uh, of that September month where we were trying to do two episodes a, a two week, episodes a week. Where yeah you were traveling for work and I was on overnight. I was in an overnight position. It was raw. Everything about September was a bad idea. And this was kind of just one of those records that like, Hey, we need a record for the second episode of this week, throw it in. And I honestly just ended up loving it. Yeah. No, this, (laughs)
0: this one was really just good. Silly fun. Yeah. It's like, and like you listen to it and it's like, it's grind core it's extremely nasty but it was like it's silly and i think part of the reason that i kind of look at it with such a silly light is because there are songs about poop on it um, <laughs> two of them yeah two of them they, i remember they said that because they forgot one on the last record That's so they included right. two of them <laughs> yep <laughs> and it's like this is one of the ones that i'll probably come back to every every once in a while it's it's just good and silly. It's a five out of eight and it's gonna stay there for me.
1: Yeah, this one was a seven out of eight for me, just because I, I do appreciate a lot more of the extreme stuff yeah. over you do, and I I feel like we hit that on pretty well oh, in, in, we that, did. Uh, in that episode. I don't really have any <clears throat> excuse me. I don't really have anything more to say on this one. Yeah. It just like you said, it was good fun. I it, it was a nice break to have in between all of the other releases that we were doing that month. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that helped keep us refreshed for the the next few ones that came along yeah no for
0: sure and the first of that spurt that gabe's referencing is one that was actually really really highly anticipated here on the podcast spirit box with their release eternal blue from uh which released on september 17th i'm gonna start this one off gabe go for it I came into this with extremely high hopes. I think everybody and their mother who's listened to the Tentacle Ball podcast knows this. After spending some time away from the record and coming back recently, the hype died down a lot. Oof. Um, it it just didn't have enough about it to hold the tops that top tier spot that I uh, I originally put it at. I put it originally at a seven point five. I dropped it to a six. It's, don't get me wrong, Mike, his guitar playing is absolutely phenomenal. The The rest of the instrumentals was absolutely fantastic. Courtney LaPlante's vocals are otherworldly. It's just this record, the the highs are extremely high, but the lower points of the record, I think I didn't i i kind of had the even the lower songs kind of riding the high of the really good songs mm-hmm. and just a, after coming back to it and letting that hype die down i i kind of saw the record for what it was and it
1: just it doesn't doesn't hold that seven and a half anymore it's gonna sit at a six that's fair i have it at a seven um i didn't go into it with those expectations that you did um i still enjoyed the record even revisiting it as early as today like it just it was a good record i don't it definitely doesn't earn top spot. It probably actually is more of a six for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that now. It's dropping from a seven to a six. Um, like you said, it's a good record. Yeah. Um, you definitely saw it through Rose-Colored Glasses. I, I really <laughs> did. And I think all of the good elements of it far outweigh but outweigh the bad on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I
0: do agree with that. The next one is one to be completely honest. I kind of forgot about the plot in you with their swan song uh, with the release date of September 17th. I never forgot about this one because I love this record. <laughs> you uh, honestly, I think there was one time I was with you in the car and you were playing this. and I was like, who's this? You know, like we reviewed them this year. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> really? It's when it hit the points, I remembered it brought a smile to my face um it had the portions that make me want to come back to the record but it's a low enough scoring record that i think it's only like an occasional return to i think i think it's just another one of those records that i just need just to just kind of sit down again and just kind of
1: refresh myself with yeah this one it was an eight out of eight on the podcast it's staying an eight out of eight it's absolutely a contender for my album of the year it's just a great record through and through i feel like The Plot in You is really coming into what they started off with uh, uh, Happiness Will Destroy yours. I totally forget, the 2015 Mm -hmm. album, Um, but I feel like they're really coming into what they were designed originally and they kind of took things a little bit different direction with uh, Dispose and now they've really found the happy marriage between the plot in you and knew the plot in you and mm-hmm. this album is a perfect example of that i love this album to death
0: so i should probably give my tentacle score because i just realized i didn't do that oh yeah you did originally <laughs> i put it a five uh i'm sorry a 5.5 5. Uh, i'm gonna drop it to a five um i think there's there's still enough good points that kind of keeps it keeps it where it's at or kind of kind of in the same ballpark um it just i just need to go back to it and kind of kind of see if that i can find what what it is that you is you're seeing that's
1: fair. Um, next up, we have Bad Flowers, This Is How the World Ends. And I know this is an album that I was really hyped for, and I know this is an album that you did not like. <laughs> so,
0: funny enough, uh, so release date for this one is September 24th. My score went up on this. Oh, awesome. Um, Let's hear it. So, really, I when I went back to it is I actually kind of listened to it. I tried not to kind of look at the songs as just, Music, like, just like, oh, I'm just listening to another song. But I kind of, I kind of, let me kind of, kind of go off on a tangent here for just a second, just to kind of explain my, kind of the process I go through with listening is I've started kind of listening to music, not really just for, okay, does it sound good? I start to kind of look at it at, As the art form, so kind of what what the
1: music's trying to express. Before you continue on, if somebody were playing a drinking game, where every time that you said kind of, they took a shot, they'd be dead by now. Continue. Sick. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Awesome.
0: This is one of those records where once I immerse myself in that sort of method everything seemed to click a lot better, especially with, um, and I'm going to apologize for the language just because I am quoting the song title, uh, their song Fuck Boy, which is uh, track number two, is that's really where that immersion started to really show. And you see that the story that the record is trying to tell the music fits with it's it's a very cohesive song moving into later songs it works stalkers another prime example where it just works really well i originally put at it as a 4 on the podcast i bumped it up to a 5 i think it's definitely one worth of revisiting it just it's taken a, the really spending the time away from it is
1: what was the most beneficial for it. And I, I, I do plan to come back. Fair enough. Yeah. I had this one at a six. Um, I bumped it up to a seven just because I continued to appreciate it after we had done the podcast for okay. it. Um, and especially learning kind of like the information that I had about the, po- uh, had about the record where it was, I'm going to restart this. Uh, bad flower kind of falls into the same, realm that like Water Parks does where the Mm. lyrics are almost too honest. Yeah. And I feel like that what turns off a lot of people because I remember you hated the song Stalker originally. Yeah. Because lyrically it is a very cringy song Mm. until you learn about what the rest of the album is.
0: And I think that's the kind of going into some of the process with going into the actual Mm -hmm. reviewing of records is I don't really do the research enough to kind of get some of that background story. The only time I've really done it is for bands that I'm like really hot on. So not really so much did it happen with spirit box, but a little bit with the divorce Prada. Um, and then as we move a little bit forward, but with the white record is I had a little bit more of the context going into the record, but that's also because it's bands that I actively want that mm-hmm. context for. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the things where you, you kind of brought the information forward and that helped give,
1: yeah, give it, a little bit It gives bit of a little bit more context, gives perspective to it. And, mm-hmm. Then can shift why the song is the way it is because, yeah. like, like I said, the song lyrics themselves are really bad mm-hmm. In 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 a very cringy. Like I can't believe somebody's saying this kind of yeah. way. Until you learn about like what the song is and how it relates with the rest of the album, because mm-hmm. like the the, cons, the conceptual part of the record is the songs are about villains and yeah. they're different rights. So stalkers are obviously villains because they're not good people. No. I don't, in their own eyes, they're the heroes, and that's not correct they're just not good people. Mm -hmm. But then we have ones where it's kind of like the emotional uh, gaslighter and like those aren't good people, but it's, it's a different kind of villain. And so we see that throughout the course of the album. And I feel like that was a very important aspect of the album to really look into. Yeah. And if you, and I'll be completely honest is before we jump into the next record,
0: if you have not listened to that record already, or have not listened to that original episode, just go, when you go into this record, which I highly would recommend doing. So go into that with that context and everything's going to make a little bit more Mm -hmm. sense. It's going to sit a little bit better, uh, but it's, I think that's one of those records that we gave a little bit of a disclaimer warning because there is some really heavy uh, mat- kind of like themes in regards to the lyrics. So do um, keep an eye out for yeah, that. Yeah, it, that it was the first one that
1: we've had to issue a like an actual content yeah, like warning, a because, warning. Yeah, yeah. There, there's triggering events in there, and <clears> then, <throat> then there's also just language that yeah. we had to use for the song titles. <laughs> yeah. Now the
0: next one is titled "The Work" by Rivers of Nile, and that was released on September 24th, which was the I. I believe first episode i was not present for
1: that is correct yeah so you were off somewhere in la, la land across the united states Hey-o. and uh so i i took on this one here with uh, dipper satterfield of uh, it's all grizzly is a local band out here in uh, uh mesa arizona also he dipper's just a beautiful human being yeah, i see, love him he's, so he's much. a wonderful human being i love him very much if you haven't checked out it's all grizzly go check him out they're gonna be dropping a music video with a new song here soon Uh, That being said, this one was a five out of eight for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and I know that you're a lot bigger of a Rivers and Nile fan than I am. So this was my really, like my first introduction of listening to something more than just once through. Okay. It was okay. Um, It just really didn't capture it for me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I gave it a five out of eight. It Probably more realistically is a four out of eight for me. Okay, just because it isn't something that I really want to return to. I do recognize that it's good and there's nothing particularly wrong with it outside of saxophone usage, but <laughs> I'm not getting into that at this point, right? I just don't. It, it didn't really capture it for me. That's fair. And so, I'll, I'll be
0: completely honest: is coming into the work is I had started experiencing a little bit of burnout with the band because i think i just went so hard on them right a little bit after the release of where i Will know my name uh when i finally was able to listen to this all the way through singles kind of didn't kill it for me but i was i was pretty unimpressed but i think in the context of the entire record is it it worked a lot better I do appreciate the musicianship here and it has the things that I liked about rivers of Nile from before, but we get a lot of those new elements and kind of progression and the, the pink, what was it? Pink Floyd comment you guys made in your episode. (laughs) I I still get a kick out of, um, I originally put it at a six. I'm going to leave it at a, at a six. It's one I returned to recently. I'll likely come back to some more, it's rivers of Nile is a band that I, I both will go to, but also try to avoid just because I, I feel like I've burned myself out so hard on them. Fair enough.
1: Uh, afterwards, we had trivium's in the court of the dragon
0: release date of October 8th. And Gabe, you have gushed about this record. Please gush some more.
1: Yeah. So th- this is an eight out of eight. It stays an eight out of eight. I make a mutated record. Octopus, to give it even more tentacles yeah. if I really could. Um, it's no secret that Trivium is my favorite band. Uh, this was a phenomenal offering from them, and it, it's not in my running for album of the year solely for the fact that this would just be an automatic anytime that they come it, out with it'd something. It'd be just a scapegoat. Exactly, and so that's what I'm trying to avoid. So just acknowledge that Trivium in The Court of the Dragon is my de facto <laughs> <laughs> album of the year. Yep. And so then the actual album of the year that we're going to give at the end of the episode, I'm, I'm going to be... Uh, excluding them from that solely for the fact that I don't feel like I can truly give the most objective opinion that I can Right. For it. Uh, this one, I started out with a 6.5. And
0: this is a record that I I have come back to uh, a few times. And this is another one where I, I found new appreciation for stuff is I, I can't not credit Matt Heafy and all the other guys in it for the absolute beauty that is the instrumentation whether they're coming in with these brutal riffs and even the the slower stuff like shadows of the abattoir it started out as a 6.5 i'm bumping it to a seven uh there are some aspects that don't still don't kind of meet what uh their prior record did but at the same time is it's still a record i can go to and I can listen to without without skipping songs and wouldn't feel bad because I listened to the album all the way through it. It is a really good release by these boys. For sure. Now, some more gushing. <laughs> Day Seeker and their Sleep Talk Deluxe Edition, which was released on September 24th, 2021. I'll get my comments out of the way. I, I've made my complaints about the remasters. That's whatever. The regular edition by itself is an eight out of eight. But if I had to go with the deluxe edition itself, it stays a seven out of eight. I I love these boys. I'm I'm completely obsessed with this album.
1: Yeah, the, the record's an eight out of eight, for, eight out of eight for me too. It's staying that way. Like it was a very good. Uh, record it's not in my album of the year running solely for the fact that the original album came out in 2019 mm-hmm. and this was just the deluxe version of it that I honestly didn't realize until I had already brought it up to yeah. Matt and so uh, w- which is fine and all it, it was a great record I enjoyed listening to it and I get to enjoy going back and listening to older material and discovering who they were prior to this yep. um, yeah yeah that, that's really all I've got for this one yeah no absolutely Following that is Sleep Token, This
0: Place Will Become Your Tomb, which was released also on September 24th of 2021. This was one of the records that we had done kind of a split review of. You had done it in the catch-up episode, and I did it for a hidden track for a different episode.
1: Yeah, and and that's to know, um, there's Asking Alexandria that we talked about, or that we can talk about here in a second. Um, That one, The Day Seeker. I brought up Sleep Token, and then... um, you also talked about Trivium in, your, in yes. that review uh, that we had done in the um, the catch-up episode, which is just where we didn't have enough time to go over these records mm-hmm. uh, just due to work situations and stuff like that. So we kind of just clumped them all into this one episode. It's uh, just one of our Sailor specials. It's like yep. a real quick 20-minute episode. Yeah, it's, it wasn't too long.
0: This record is... It's pretty. They're, everything about it's pretty. Even when the instrumentals get heavy... It's still, it, it just exudes this beautiful justness about it. I put it originally when we did our original review of it as a five. When I came back to it, I I forgot how just unbelievably beautiful it was. I put it up to a six. This is one I'm going to come back a lot.
1: That, that, that's the same boat that I'm in. Um, I had it at a five. I'm bumping it to a six as well. Mm-hmm. It is a very beautiful record. It's a difficult record to come into. And just listen to individual songs. It's really more of like a story aspect. Ha- yeah, it is one you have to
0: listen to the record all, all the way through. And I think it's also a situation where you kind of have to listen to the record in from track one to the final track. Yeah. You kind of have to listen to it in the, it linearly. Yeah. No. No. No shuffle
1: for this one. Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs>
0: And as you kind of alluded, um, "Ask Alexandria, see what's on the inside" is the next one we wanted to talk about, and that was released on October first. This record honestly gets me excited about Asking Alexandria again. I put it at a six originally; it's a six still. Um, I've come back to it. It's it's still a good release. I again, it it
1: makes me actually excited about this band. So anyway, it's not a good release. Uh, <laughs> I have it at a 2 out of 8. I mentioned in that podcast that it, it is Nickelback featuring Danny Warsnob. I, yeah. I, whatever. I hate this record. It's stupid. Um, did you have Ice Nine Kills listed? I did. Okay, cool. Because I have mine slightly. In a different order, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I
0: think that's that's probably where we may have goofed up. Uh, but Ice and Kills, Welcome to Horrorwood, The Silver Scream 2 was released on October 15th of 2021. And Gabe, I'll let you kind of start this one off.
1: Yeah, uh, I revisited this one today, actually, before we listened. Um, It's still good. Mm-hmm. I still enjoyed it. It doesn't... Fe- it, it kind of is the same thing with E2. Like, I don't feel like I had to listen to the original Silver Scream uh to enjoy this record it's Mm -hmm. a great standalone i feel like it is just continuing to capitalize on this kind of whole gimmick and shtick that they have going and honestly i'm okay with it like they're making really good songs with it if that's where they draw their inspiration from by by all means i mean we saw the beatles do that in the 60s where they just drew inspiration from all the hallucinations they had on when they dropped acid and lsd and whatnot and Good. Exactly. (laughs) Like it it turned out to to bring out some of the most influential songs of all time. Yeah. As a result of that. So if that's what these guys are drawing inspiration from, is watching horror movies, they've got a big pool to come to come from. So I I feel like we're. It might not be called the Silver Screen Three, but. I, I feel like we'll still see more of this stuff in the future. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah.
0: No, I think so too. I, I don't know
1: if I mentioned it. It's a six out of eight for me. It's staying a six out of eight.
0: Yeah. And honestly, my score is going to be the exact same. It started a six out of eight. It's going to stay. Um, In technicality and songwriting, this is a really strong offering by these guys. As I said in the original episode, it doesn't fully measure up to the first Silver Scream, but it's a really good sequel. Um it again, it does really good at standing alone, being able to separate itself. I think one thing that would be kind of cool is I might actually do Silver Scream one and two just kind of in its own separate playlist so I can just listen to them both together mm-hmm. just to kind of kind of feel them side by side. And I think they there's enough kind of tie in between the two, I think, that they that it would fit okay. That's fair. Uh, next one we did was Every Time I Die and their release Radical from October 22nd, which was actually the episode both you and I were on and we had Dipper.
1: Yeah. So we had Dipper back for this one because uh, Dipper is a really big Every Time I Die fan. Uh, yeah, th- this record was phenomenal. Like front to back. Mm-hmm. I know that you don't quite share the same sentiments. Um, but yeah, th- this is an eight out of eight for me. It still stays the same. It's still one that I regularly frequent. Yeah. I love this record. Okay.
0: So this one, and as Gabe said, I don't quite share the same uh, sentiment, but this was also the episode that featured the dreaded Rise Against featuring Danzig comment. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Outside of the comments I made that Gabe will never let me live down, the return of this record actually makes me want more. Uh, I'm intrigued enough to give this one another shot. I think part of what the issue was is I was trying to – digest it so quickly and in such a short amount of time i think that's probably what some of the issue was um uh, it started at 5 out of 8 right now it's going to stay a 5 out of 8 just until i'm able to kind of go back into it dig into it a little bit further mm-hmm. it's that's just kind of where it's at right now yeah
1: uh from there after every time i die we had white chapel's kin this one was released on
0: october 29th and we see a pretty major departure from what the band had been doing previously and we we made that pretty clear in the the review for that it's really well done but it's going to take some adjustment adjusting to get used to Whitechapel being this entity now as even opposed to what it was during the valley really good things about the record but again it's just going to take some getting used to i put it originally at a 6.5 i dropped it down to a 6 i think there's still a little bit of the shock value that I'm trying to get over. And I think that's why I'm, I'm hesitant to go back. Whitechapel is one of my favorite bands. I think that's been made pretty clear, uh, between not just the release of that episode, but also when we did our top eight favorite bands, it's going to take a bit. It's going to take a second.
1: Yeah. This one here, it it was Mm -hmm. a good record. It's kind of the same thing with sleep token where it Mm -hmm. can't really be listened to out of order. No, it's very much a storytelling record. Um, on my listen to it, I actually began to appreciate it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I had it at a seven out of eight on the original cast. I'm keeping it there okay, just because I do still really enjoy the record. I'm, I tried to separate this record from the entity that Whitechapel was with like, this is exile in darkest day of man yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, it's yeah, it, it's just a good record. It's very different. Like you had said from what they were originally. And I feel like that's the reason that it wasn't Mm -hmm. well-received because this is like the first album that didn't break top 200 for them ever. I think which is unfortunate because I feel like it just wasn't, able to garner the respect that it deserved
0: i and it, it definitely does deserve the respect that you're referencing if you guys are for whatever reason curious about kind of the context of what this record's about definitely check that episode out i was able to get in a little bit in depth in, as to what it what it's all about and being able to hear some of that directly from phil through uh various means whether mm-hmm. that be through like Instagram posts or even some videos on YouTube is that's definitely a really really cool way and it just kind of gives you gives you an idea on what Whitechapel has now been for the last couple years and what it's going to continue to become the next release we did a review for is Bullet for My Valentine self-titled record from November 5th
1: we both were big <laughs> shook on this. Yeah, th- this was a weird record to say that I enjoyed cuz I haven't really enjoyed a, a bullet for my Valentine record in 11 years now. Yeah. And coming back to this one like it's still I feel like, uh, and and so I originally rated this at a six. It's dropping down to a five for me. Okay. Just solely for the fact that I think I gave it the six on the aspect that I was not expecting this record to hit as hard as it did. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still really solid. Um, It, just falls victim to the same things that I don't really like a lot about For My Valentine for, which is just kind of the sad boy lyrics and the really forced edge that Matt Tuck tries yeah. to do with his clean vocals. His screams are still phenomenal. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I hit the hammer over the head or that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, I,
0: I, I know what you're trying to say.
1: I, I beat it into the ground in the yeah. original episode that his, his unclean vocals are Phenomenal! I don't understand how he's still keeping him as saturated as he is. Yeah. But he he's doing a killer job with it, and they sound just as good, if not better, than they did back when they released the poison. Yeah. No.
0: And and he he comes in and kills it. So this is this was a really recent review that we had done. Uh I still haven't listened to the old stuff, nor have I returned to this record <laughs> specifically. So oops it's it's still a really strong release it's likely going to get thrown into the eventual playlist i decide to make just whenever that day ends up actually happening i left i put it at a six originally it's going to stay at the six for me again it's a solid release and i think it was a real surprise for for the two of us for sure uh,
1: moving on, we have Silent Planets offering iridescent.
0: So this one was released November twelfth, and this was the episode I was supposed to be present for, but unfortunately I was sick.
1: So yeah, I Matt wasn't got able sick, to. so he wasn't even cool and like in another state or something like that. Now this fool just like he didn't even get the Rona, <laughs> bro. I was, I,
0: if it's the same the same day that I think it was, I was down for two days. I don't know what it was. I just could barely move. It was, it was rough. Uh, but Christian was on from okay at best mm-hmm. for that episode. And because this is actually the first time I've really given my thoughts on it. I listened to this record and I, there, I, there were a lot of really things I liked about it. And I was like, like, this is cool, but it's not mind, mind bending. I actually listened to this episode after it came out. I like to listen to our episodes just to kind of, kind of hear, hear the thoughts again and just use it for a a way to help be, just be better at it in the future. And because Christian actually brought a lot of context to this record that I had no idea about, it's also just not something I've looked into for a lot of the releases. When I rel- when I listened to this record today and I listened to it probably like three, four times, I, once I kind of looked at it through that lens, is it started everything started kind of clicking a little bit differently. Yeah, and if I remember correctly,
1: you gave it a five out of eight. Yeah. You would just like text at me and you're like, hey, if you want to know and want to say it on the podcast, yeah. I had a five out of eight.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so um right now I'm just keeping it at a five out of eight. It's this is definitely gonna be one I see changing. It's now that I've seen the context of what the record is and the unfortunate, really just mental collapse of Garrett is that's very prevalent here on the record lyrically and vocally. He's he's a monster. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, like in between. So this is LP number four for them. Mm -hmm. In between LP three and LP four, like he. Garrett knew how to scream beforehand. He honed in his screams, and Mm -hmm. yet he he is just this vocal monster now. And it it was a phenomenal album. I had it rated an 8 out of 8 on the cast. It's still in an 8 out of 8. It's just a really good album.
0: Yeah. And the other thing, I actually had to look this up while I was at work um, listening to the record. I'm not going to lie. There were a couple of points where Garrett's kind of mid-tone screaming vocals. He sounded just like uh, Britain Bond from Wage War. <laughs> and uh, there was, I believe it was Second Son was the song specifically. I was sitting there and I was like, did they do a feature with Wage War? So I looked it up and there was no information about it. So i I just thought it was kind of kind of silly just as I was thinking it, because there just wasn't any credit for a feature and it sounded like there might have been one but dude dude's a monster he's he's kind of a stud, yeah, absolutely he is. Now, following the Silent Planet release was the self-titled record by Scion, which was released on November 26, 2021. And Scion is the band, it was uh, Howard Jones and Jared Dines, Mm -hmm. uh, was the the two members of the band.
1: I'm going to let you start this one off. Yeah, so I originally put this one at a six out of eight. Um, It's staying there. It was a good record. Um, Mm -hmm. I explained my issues with it in the original cast. Yeah. Um, I think one, if I remember correctly, because I, I actually haven't re-listened to that podcast. I think one of the issues that I brought up was that uh, I was mildly disappointed in the amount. In the lack, I guess, of uh, shredding that Jared had done. Yeah. We got to hear it in some songs, but I just feel like it... I, I originally felt like it had should have been super present in that. Um, I've since amended those thoughts mm-hmm. uh, solely for the fact that... So recently, um, I think a couple days ago, Jared released the biggest shred collab number four. Oh, yeah. Uh, where basically he just gets like a bunch of different YouTube and... Uh, YouTube guitarists and a bunch of other musicians Mm -hmm. and puts them all together in a video where they all just jam to one really big, long backing track. And it's super cool. It's uh, something I absolutely recommend checking out. He does one every year now. Yeah. And we get to hear him, honestly, on that one in his 25 seconds or so that he did. He goes harder on that um, that video than he does in the rest of it, in in this album. But I think where I, I began to realize it was he was and I respect him more for this now, he was really doing what he did for the songs Mm -hmm. as opposed to just showing off, which when you take a YouTube guitarist, they're really their purpose is going to be to show off. They're not trying to write those. They're not trying to write music. They're just trying to showcase their style because that's what people want to go to those videos for. They want to go and hear these people shred and do things inhuman and things that they can't do. Right. Whereas the music really, it was about the music itself and about the songs and serving the songs. And so I have a greater respect for him in that regard. And I wanted to amend that statement. It's still staying at a six just because of my other issues with the record. Mm-hmm. But um, it overall, it was still a good record.
0: Okay. So this one, um, there was a change. I originally put this at an eight. I dropped it down to a six. Uh, this was one of the records, because it was so recent that we did the review, uh, that I haven't come back to it. But as I was kind of li- thinking over this record, the more I, ca- I realized that I was a bit hasty with dropping the 8 on it. Mm-hmm. I think there were just too too many things about the record that ended up actually kind of not killing the record for me, but it just putting it down. And I, one of the things I th- I think might be a little bit of the predictability of some of the song structures. I think that was one of the things that looking back on, on this record kind of killed it for me. So I'm dropping it down to a six. It's still a really good release. I'd recommend anybody listen to it just because Howard is a phenomenal vocalist and I'd rec- I'd want an- anybody and everybody to listen to him. And Jared Dines just sh- kind of shows off what he does best. And uh, again, I definitely recommend that.
1: Yeah. Uh, finishing, or not not quite finishing up here. Uh, second to last, we got Of Mice and Men's Echo that was released on December 3rd. Yes, sir. Not enough times passed to really change my
0: opinion. I haven't listened to the record since we did the review. Nah, I, still I gave it a record. three. I leave
1: it. <laughs> I still hate this record. I gave it a two. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it earns a one, but it, it kind of feels like it. I just, I don't like this record.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I can kind of... As much as I disagree with it being put down to one, I see why you would want to put it down to one. I think there's enough about it that kind of that keeps it from being that low. Mm -hmm. It's also not
1: escape the fate. That's fair. Yeah, that's really all I got to say yeah, on that. If you want to hear it. our thoughts on that one, go back to episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then
0: finally, to wrap it up, we have Volbeat with Servant of the Mind, which was also released on December 3rd.
1: Yeah, th- this was another surprise release of the year. This was one of those things where like uh, we don't really have anything else to, to really do. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just go ahead and do this one. And I was honestly really pleasantly surprised. It I had was, this one at a yeah. six out of eight. It stays there. I don't know that it'll ever change. Um, there's still a lot of elements of the the songs that I really enjoy. And I go back to them uh, for a few of the songs for sure. Like it's it was just an enjoyable record.
0: Yeah. No, this one, this one was very much enjoyable. I've got it at a five originally. Uh, unfortunately, I just haven't gone back to the record. It's going to stay a five. And I think it's a it's a pretty comfortable seat for it really again it's really surprising i probably gave it a, an extra point or two just because of the shock value but i think it it holds it it holds its own weight really well and i i've got to give those guys
1: credit where credit's due yeah absolutely but that does wrap up all the uh adjustments and stuff that we need to make for the albums that we had released um, now we're going to come down to our our top albums of the year and we're just going to kind of go top three and and, uh, and hit it from there. I, ironically enough, um, not including Dayseeker, just because it was released earlier mm-hmm. uh, without being the deluxe, um, I actually had eight bands that reached an eight out of eight this year. I just I, thought that was kind of funny. I actually <laughs> don't. I,
0: how many do I? Just as you're kind of looking over, I don't even know how many I have as an eight, even after the adjustments. I've got, let's see, hold on. Four. There's one.
1: Yeah, for me it was it was every time I die, Silent Planet, The Plot In You, Phineas, baretooth Royal Blood, Times Of Grace, and Trivium. Okay. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Trivium's not going to be in the running for Album Of The Year just because I cannot objectively put that one right. in, in a position because it's just going to take number one no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got four records that even after adjustments
0: are eight out of eights. So do we want to just do top? Th- Go three and just count down. Yeah, what's your number three? So, number three, I've got to give it to Love and Death. It was really a really well done record. It was, I was very surprised at how much I liked it. And even looking at the record outside of the Let Me Love You cover, like if you rip that out of the record, it's still an eight out of eight. It's very, very well done. Those guys absolutely just round of applause to
1: them okay fair enough uh number three is going to fall for royal blood for me okay um typhoons was just an amazing record mm-hmm. i loved it front to back when i first heard it um I, I i really like there's nothing i can say that hasn't already been said by us mm-hmm. other than the fact that this album was just phenomenal and it's absolutely something that i'm going to continue going back to okay
0: yeah no and that's that's a record i will for sure go to number two um, for me, this one might surprise you a little bit, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of explain it once we get to the number one. Number two is Phineas, the fire itself for me. Okay. Um, this record slaps front to back. I can't seem to get enough of it. The vocally, instrumentally, musically, just it, it's the entire package. It's got
1: fire in the name that, you know, it's going to be hot. Yeah, um, number two was really hard for me um, between like the plot and you, and every time I die. Okay. Um, I I think every time I die, it's just gonna take it, just because I fell so hard for that record. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot and you, I had to grow to it a little bit, but every time I die, just from the first time I heard it, and then from listening to it from front to back, like I just. Became obsessed with it. Yeah, you were hot on that record. I mean, shoot, I'm still hot on it. Let's yeah. be real. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's such a good record from front to back. And I. Nah, like I'm. I'm planning on doing a vocal cover of uh, Hostile Architecture here, upcoming soon. Oh, sick! Um, as I kind of like, a, and I'm expanding my vocal styles a little bit. So I'm going to be doing doing that like on my personal pages, uh, and I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, learning some of the songs on guitar has mm-hmm. just been an absolute blast, and really kind of challenging me as a guitarist. It, it's just it. It's such a good record. Yeah. No. I've
0: and that again. One I definitely plan to come back to. Gabe
1: the number one spot who you giving it to for me, it's going to be times of grace. It, okay. I just, something about that album really hits different for me. It, it, this one is a lot more of an emotional piece for me. Mm -hmm. It's not the most technical. It's not the heaviest. It's not the prettiest. Yeah. It's just one of those records that everything encompassing it has really just kind of made a really big impact for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I would say that I would put it more akin to like, um, in 2015, Neck Deep released Life's Not Out to Get You. Okay. And for that time in my life, that album was just so impactful for me mm-hmm. that it, like I said, the same thing here. It wasn't the prettiest. It wasn't the uh, the most technical. It wasn't the heaviest or, or e- even just like the best produced or anything like that. But right. it just had such an impact for me that um, it, to this day, that album is still one of my top records of all time. Okay. And I feel like this. The, the release from Times of Grace just kind of hits all those same marks. It okay. just really appeals to the more emotional aspect of things. And that th- that's why it falls at number one for me with the asterisk of trivium being above it. That, that's fair. <laughs> so
0: my number one, and this may be both a surprise as well as not a surprise, it's Era.
1: No, not a surprise
0: at all. (laughs) (laughs) So part of the re for for most of the year is Phineas was my number one. It the record just hit. But as I was kind of as I was doing my notes here for this episode is I looked at how much I've gone back to the Arrow record and how much I really just fell in love with just everything about it. And I I looked at myself. I'm like, I can't not put this at number one because of how much I've come back to the record. (laughs) It's musically really dope. Lunar halo is probably one of the best songs in my opinion to have come out in a hot minute. It's mm, there's just so much about it that really, really did a great job. I think there was, again, there was for a while era was a couple spots under Phineas and, it's just Phineas came in so hot mm-hmm. but I think re- really what it was is I keep coming back to era and by not putting it at number one I feel like I'm doing it a disservice that's fair yeah so
1: there you have it folks that's 2021 a, that's <laughs> 2021 in a nutshell um, yeah it's it's been a really cool year. Yeah, uh, it is. I know that this has been a, quite a bit of a long episode. So we are going to be uh, cutting out the uh, the hidden track today, especially mm-hmm. since over Christmas, not really a lot of music came right. out. Right. Um, We are going to be coming back after uh, the new new year uh, switches over. So we do appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to us. You can find us on a variety of social medias. I'm going to smack my mic stand here. (laughs) Uh, You can find us on a variety of social medias. You can find us on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, And that is one of our goals for 2022 is that we are going to make more of an effort to be on those platforms and actually be on those platforms. And (laughs) and whether it not be, you know, just like, hey, we're posting a new video. Like, we're not
0: just going to just post that stuff I think like, we're probably going to throw a few more memes out there just try to get, try to get I a mean, little bit more memes drive traffic really yeah <laughs> and just get get some more engagement with you guys uh, please do go and follow those we're at TennoGobop on all of those definitely go and check those out and wherever you listen to podcasts whether it be Podbean Spotify Apple Music Google Podcasts, anything like that and like the 20 gajillion other different yeah. ones follow us like rate subscribe all, all of the above that way we can keep the keep it coming you guys can keep alerted as to when we're dropping new episodes and we're not a hundred percent sure what the next episode's going to be at least for records but i know uh with 2022 we've already got a couple
1: releases yeah, that we've are got looking a few hot. things that are stacked um also in regards to the uh, liking and rating uh if you're the jerk who gave us a one star at least put why <laughs> somebody gave us a one yeah on, a- on, on apple music we have five ratings we have four or five stars and one one star and i don't know who it is Ooh. i've already messaged the people that i feel like would be trolling me and they're not it so <laughs> if you're that Honestly, guy whatever like i'm fine that you don't like it i don't expect to be loved by everyone just tell me why i i am kind of you know
0: what i've be- did it was it actually attached to a specific episode or was no, it just, it's just, in just general? The, the podcast as a whole no because <laughs> honestly i feel like the once
1: are probably came off the heels of the iron maiden episode which is still our most downloaded yeah episode. That, that, that is also something to to make note of is um we cracked a thousand downloads for hey. our first year which i don't know if that's really good in terms of podcasting but it's a big milestone for us and we're yeah. proud of it um so we appreciate it uh i also just want to give thanks to the folks that listen overseas because like I never thought that I would, A, put out a podcast, but B, like, actually be heard internationally. Yeah. And so that's also one of our goals for 2022 is just to make sure that, like, when we talk about stuff, it is put into perspective of where we are Mm -hmm. just because cultural differences are different.
0: Yeah, 100%. So to the people who are not in the United States listening to us, shout out to you guys. We're all jealous of you.
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, seriously. It's (laughs) bad over here. God help us. (laughs) It's yeah. No, uh, but with uh, that being said, we do appreciate everything you guys do, and we will chat with you next year. See Catching you in the next one.